The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Hi, I'm Olaf and I like warm hugs. I bet you're wondering why I'm here, but it's really quite simple. It started when everything was right in the world, and then suddenly, the mock of change became reality and blew it all upside down. So, Elsa started hearing voices, oh, and because they had something to do with discovering truth and purpose and all that, Elsa decided to follow the voices. Then Elsa and her tagalong great adventurers journeyed off. We ended up in a dark enchanted woods, which is supposed to be a place of transformation, but I don't know what that means, so I don't think that's what we did. Everyone was chasing something. Elsa, let's go danger and fire! And Anna, Elsa, wait up! I want to help! And Kristoff, Anna, we will die! And no one can see each other because poof, there's fog everywhere! All we could see were these creepy, creepy faces and terrifying sounds, and BAM! You ever find yourself lost before? Like... How in the world did I get in this mess? How in the world am I arguing over the dishes right now? How in the world am I stuck in the unknown? And you ever wrestled with, how do I get out of it? What is the right thing for me to do right now? What are the right words for me to say? Is it sorry? Is it it's my fault? What is the right thing for me to do? Have you you ever felt like you were just stuck in this place like the unknown? Where how in the world can I just get out of 2020? How can I just get out of this pandemic season? How can I get back to whatever normalcy looks like? Well, what do I need to do now? You ever wrestle with what voices you need to listen to? Well, if I listen to this voice, does that mean I'm going to get stuck in this lifestyle for good? If I listen to this voice, does that mean that I'm going to be stuck in, in more pain and more hurt? But if I follow this voice... Will it leave me healed? Will it leave me in the place that I really, really wanted to go? And so you see in the story, Elsa is taken by this mysterious voice, her and her friends. Oh, I should have sang that song this weekend. But she's taken into the unknown. They didn't know what in the world was going to happen. And quite frankly, even the producers of Frozen 2 didn't know where this mysterious voice would take the entire movie. But it took them all the way to the top of the box offices. Globally, they grossed $1.5 billion in the box office, making Frozen 2 one of the highest grossing movies, not just for 2019, but ever. You see, Arendelle is, is stuck, and they're, they're about to, to put their entire safety in jeopardy, and Elsa and her crew are stuck in the woods following this mysterious voice. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. And, and I believe that Frozen 2 was so popular not because of its soundtrack, although it's a great soundtrack, but I believe it's because every single one of us, we could all relate to that sound, the sound of the voice Can this voice get me out of racism? Can this voice, if I follow this, can it get me out of this pandemic? Can it get me out of this depression? Can it get me out of this defeat? I know for for me a few years back, uh, my family and I went out to uh, a family vacation to Disney World. Now, I went with my in-laws then, and my, my, my oldest kid at that time was only 10 months old. And so here we are, we're, we're buying a whole bunch of Disney World tickets. And I realized just how expensive those tickets were. And I realized that, you see, my bank account is not set up that way. And so they have a thing in Orlando. If you listen to a few voices, some presentations, they'll give you free things, like free tickets. And so if it's free, 
it's for me. And so what could possibly go wrong, y'all, by listening to a few voices? What I did not know was in this conversation, they were going to take me on a ride. And so I find myself on a golf cart, and they take me to this beautiful place, this unknown wonderland. It was so much like paradise in comparison to my hotel room, of course. I saw the golf courses, the multiple swimming pools. You saw the condominium. It was fully furnished. And what I was seeing was the right things. And what they were saying, it sounded like it was the right things too. Three hours into the conversation, and we find ourselves signing on the dotted line to be brand new owners of a timeshare. And so what I did not realize until $11,000 later and 10 years later that we got stuck paying for something that we absolutely never use. When we signed on the dotted line to go on that timeshare presentation, we never went back to Florida for another 10 years. 10 whole years. How do you know that the voice that you are following right now is only gonna cost you $11,000 and not your marriage? How do you know that the voice that you're following right now is not going to cost you your dream, your destiny, your children? How do you know that the voice that you're following right now is the right one for you? See, Matthew, a friend and follower of Jesus, he wrote an eyewitness account of Jesus' life and ministry while he was on earth. And in chapter 4 of his book, he, he recounts this, uh, this, this incident where, where Jesus is led by this mysterious voice, the Spirit, into the unknown, into the wilderness, and before that, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, and there's a voice that comes out from heaven that says, this is my son in whom I'm pleased with, and then he goes off into the unknown. We're going to pick up our story here in Matthew chapter 4. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, that's withholding from any food, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Once again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He says, all this I'll give you, he said, if you will just bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, saying, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. So you find Jesus in this predicament, into the unknown. He's led to be tempted. He's not only starving, he is stuck in the wilderness. But more than just being stuck in the wilderness, he was stuck with his worst enemy. How would you like being hungry? and also being stuck in hatred? How would you like being starving, but also being stuck in deceit? Also being stuck in brokenness? Also being stuck in pain? But it seemed like every time that the devil kept on tempting Jesus, he knew just what to do. 
So what do we do when we find ourselves in the unknown? We find ourselves and we don't know what thought to think. And we don't know which way to go. We don't know how to get out of being lost, being stuck. I believe that there is a principle here found in Jesus' example that I want to challenge us and encourage us with this weekend. And it's simply this, that we must do the next right thing. It seemed like every time Jesus was tempted, he just knew to do the next right thing. But don't just take it from me. I actually want to allow Olaf to give you the rest of the story. There was winds and then a bunch of stuff happened. That was probably important, but I don't remember. Except that we just were trying to follow this voice and then we we're even more lost. And we kept being lost trying to follow this. Oh, oh, oh. And so a bunch more important things happened that I don't remember. And Elsa finds out how to get rid of the fogs and fix everything, but it's too late. Because Elsa freezes, but Anna gets a message. Right before Elsa is gone, and I don't feel so good. Then I flurry away and Anna cries. Then she decides she's done crying and gets up and keeps going because she knows what to do. She realized that she can do the next right thing even if she feels alone. I think maybe she started hearing voices too because she started moving really fast like this was chasing something or maybe something was chasing her. Wait, I think giants chased her. Then more stuff happened like culture confrontations and major destruction and monumental declarations, which she keeps trying to explain to me later, but I still don't get it. But what really matters is that the fog went away because Anna kept doing the right thing and everything got better and Elsa came back and I was all right. Rotter has memory, so here I am. So for Anna and Elsa, the next right thing for Anna, at least, was to break down the barriers that her and uh, her family had built up that actually enslaved people to be stuck in the wilderness. But what that meant was if she was to break down that barrier, that the people of Arendelle would be washed up in water. And for Elsa, what it meant for her to do the next right thing was literally to follow where this voice was leading her, and it led her to a place where she saw the dark truth of her family's past. And she ends up sinking into the waters, almost as though she got buried in the wrongs of her entire family. And just like in Disney fashion, she rises just in time to freeze the water that's about to crash into Arendelle, rescuing her people, but also freeing the people that was stuck in the wilderness, reconciling them, and making the two relationships right. I mean, I believe that every single one of us would like to have that kind of ending in every single one of our storylines, in every single one of our lives, and they lived happily ever after. We'd love to have that kind of bravery where we just show that kind of heroism to save the day, to do the next right thing. I believe every single one of us, we don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, how can I mess up my life? How can I do the next wrong thing? But everything that we do, it's because for some reason, we think that it's right, but actually doing the next right thing is absolutely impossible for every single one of us, and here's why. Every single one of us, we have a nature that is inside all of us. It's almost as though our frequency is set to listen to the wrong voice, and we listen to this voice thinking that it's going to head us down the right path, but it leads us to a path of destruction, leading us to a place where we're stuck in shame. We're stuck in guilt. We're stuck in that same pattern of thinking. We're stuck in the same cycle of actions. We're stuck in the same thing that your parents did and their parents did. We're just, we're stuck. And it leads us not just to destroy our lives physically, but it destroys our lives spiritually. And this is all because of what biblical authors call sin. You see, sin is any thought, any intention that goes contrary to who God is. And this sin is the voice inside of us that leads us down the wrong direction, leads us away from God and all things good towards forever death. But God, 
God loved us so much that he saw us going in the wrong direction. He saw us in the unknown with nowhere to go. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus into the wilderness of our life. Literally, when you see in this passage of scripture, it said the spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. He came into the wilderness of our world to take on our temptation, to take on our trial, to take on our, our sin payment. And, and like Elsa, he was buried for our wrongs in order to die, to defeat death once and for all, so that those that would believe in Jesus by faith would be forgiven. But this finishes is nowhere close to, to, to how it was in, in Disney fashion, because Disney is just a fair tale. This is for real. Jesus rose from the grave triumphantly, defeating sin, death, and hell, so that those that will believe in Jesus by faith would not just be forgiven, they would be granted a new and everlasting life. And, and so what happens when we place our faith in Jesus, there's a, a frequency shift that takes place. The, the, the frequency tends to, to shift towards this, this voice that leads us down the wrong path, but because of his spirit inside all of us, when we, when we receive him by faith, it shifts to listening to God's voice that makes us right with him, and not just makes us right with him, it enables us to live right for him. And so how do we actually do the next right thing? How, how, do, how, do, we, how do we do the right thing? right now. I want to give us three complimentary thoughts this weekend. And the first thought is this, to do the next right thing, we have to be filled by the right thing. We have to be filled by the right thing. You, you ever heard the saying, you are what you eat? Well, you will do what you are filled with. In, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus is tempted for the first time here. And, and this is what happens. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus had gone without food for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was feeling hungry. I mean, I could totally relate. After 40 minutes without food, I feel like I would be hungry, let alone 40 days. I mean, this dude was absolutely hungry. And wouldn't you think that it would be the next right thing to eat some food? I mean, if you had the opportunity to turn stones into bread, y'all, if that was me, Panera Bread would be happening right there, right now. I mean, but Jesus denied it. I mean, if it feels right, it must be right, right? But there's an essential truth in this passage of Scripture that I want to pull out for you, that your feelings are real. Jesus was absolutely hungry, but just because your feelings are absolutely real, they're just not always right. Jesus knew that he needed to be filled by something more than just food. And I want to ask you this weekend, what food are you hungry for? Maybe you've been saying to yourself, you know, if I just got that promotion, if I just got that raise, I wouldn't be so hungry for success. You know, if I just found me the right man, if I just found me the right woman, I wouldn't be so hungry for love. I wouldn't be so hungry for acceptance. If I just had, had that money, if I just had that, that car, I, I wouldn't be so hungry for, for, for protection, for, for, for want. I, I wouldn't be so hungry for that. And, and Jesus was able to, to do the next right things because he knew what God had to say. He had been filling himself up with all the right things because perhaps the thing that God wants to fill your hunger with is not the food that you're thinking about. You know, if you and I, we were, we were stuck in the unknown. We were lost in the woods, and we were looking at our survival God. You want to know what's going to be on top of that list? Find food. 
because you need sustenance in order for survival. And it's not just true for your physical life. It's absolutely true and even more essential for your spiritual life. Jesus was, was willing to, to say, you know what, I, I don't need the physical bread because I need to be filled myself with, with the, the bread that comes from heaven, the word of God. You and I, we've got we've to feed on the, the right things to fill us, which is the word of God. Because you can, you can be full of food and still not be fulfilled. Who here knows that you can have the fastest car and you can get to anywhere you want to go in zero to 60 in two seconds, but if you're still heading the wrong direction, you're still hungry. You can have a bank account that's, that's flowing with all sorts of money, but if you're still broke on the inside, you're still hungry. And Jesus knew the right thing to do because he had been filling himself up with the right thing. I assure you that his response would have been drastically different had he fasted from the word of God and had all the food in the world he had to eat. Meaning that if he had a buffet option of bread in the wilderness, all that he could eat, but yet he fasted his meal from, from eating on every word that comes from God, his response would have been different. And for you, maybe you're wondering, what's the next right thing for me to do in this, in this comment? What's the next right thing for me to do in this argument? What's the next right thing for me to do? If we want to know the next right thing, we have to know what God says. And it's as simple as reading his word. You see, God's word is living and active, but it's absolutely meaningless apart from our, from our willingness to actually do what it says. Because who here knows that you can starve to death even with a plate full of food in front of you if you never put the food inside of your mouth. And so if, if this weekend you're probably not planning on going hungry, you're planning on eating a meal, plan on filling yourself up by getting into scripture because I can assure you, the response in your next argument is gonna be a byproduct of what you just ate. The, the social media that you're about to share a little bit later this weekend is gonna be a byproduct of what you've been consuming, the words that come out of our mouth is due to the byproduct of the words that's been filling our hearts. You can know the right thing to do by filling yourself up with the right thing. Secondly is this, to do next right thing, you have to know the right truth. Matthew chapter four, it goes on to say this. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up your hands, lift up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And, and Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You know, in, in our society, we, we, we live in a pretty relativistic kind of world, wouldn't you agree, where I can believe one thing and you can believe another thing, and uh, as far as truth goes, I mean, what, what good is that? Because I can just say one thing and, and you say another thing and everything else is just pretty much, it's relative. And can I say one thing and you say another thing and we, we both be right? I mean, wouldn't we want to be the one that goes into the argument with the right uh, stance? Wouldn't, wouldn't we want to, to share that social media post and say that was the right opinion, that was the right thinking, that was the right feeling, that was the right action? We all want to be right. But in essence, if everyone is right, doesn't truth get essentially erased? If nothing is wrong, then really nothing can be right. And here's the devil. He attempts to tempt Jesus another time with a different tactic. He wants to use truth. But he takes a page out of Jesus' playbook, and he actually quotes Jesus. He says, for it is written, and he quotes a verse from Psalms 91. 
But yet Jesus responds to that truth that he heard with the right thing because he knew the right truth and he knew when truth was getting distorted. You see, the devil didn't actually misquote that scripture. He said it correctly. He just misapplied it. So what do you do when, when it seems like the headlines looks like it's the right thing to do? When it looks like that side has the right opinion? When it looks like that, that thing that they're saying should be what I'm feeling, should be what I'm doing right now? What, what do you do when it's so hard to tell what truth is actually right? I, I want to give us a couple filters that we need to funnel these truth in to make sure it's not getting twisted. The first filter is we got to make sure that we filter it through context. Context. Does it line up with what God said? But not, not just what God said. Does it line up in the context in which God said it? The devil, he quoted Psalms 91 perfectly, but he was trying to misapply it. You can use the right thing, but if you use it the wrong way, the right thing becomes the wrong thing right away. And so he was trying to misapply truth, in essence, twisting it. And so we've got to take what God communicates and put it into the right context. Otherwise, if we don't, there's always going to be a con behind it. And truth is going to get twisted. And the truth that is twisted, it can't be trusted. And next filter, we filter it through God's character. You see, when Jesus responded, for it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. See, Jesus not only knew the context, I knew the revelation of God's word. I knew what he said, but I got relationship with my father, and you don't test him. You don't test him in that way. That's not what he meant to say. And so for us, does it line up in context? And the more we understand the context of God's word, the more we understand the character of God's heart. And the more we understand the character of God's heart, the more the right truth will be clear to us. And when it still seems unclear for you, to, to do the next right thing. What does that look like for me, Jay? This weekend, I don't know what that looks like for me. Err on the side of God's character. When you're about to post, err on the side of unity. When you're about to say something, err on the side of love. Err on the side of compassion. Err on the side of generosity. Err on the side of hope. Err on the side of faith. Err on the side of restoration. Knowing the right truth means we do the right thing right now. And lastly is this. To do the next right thing it means that we are ruled by God. We must be ruled by God. Matthew chapter 4, this is what it reads. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, saying, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Here's Jesus' final temptation that he is faced with. And in essence, the devil is saying, if you allow me to rule you, I'll give you everything you'd ever want right now. And for a brief second, it actually seems like it's the right thing to do. It seemed like it would have been the right thing to do to eat bread. It seemed like it would have been the right thing to do to jump off the temple because in essence, that was what, what God put in his word. And it looks like, the right person, taking the right position and the right role, it's got to be the right thing. And who would argue if Jesus had access to the entire world? Who would argue if he was the one in charge? It looks like it's the right fit, but just because it fits doesn't mean it belongs. Jesus was promised power, but the only problem about this power was the source was going to come from the wrong thing. And so when Jesus was tempted... He came and responded, for it is written. Once again, 
He knew what God had to say, but what he said next changed the game. He said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know what happens when God is your Lord? He becomes your master. He becomes your ruler. He becomes the one that, that shows you what way you need to go. And for Jesus to do the right thing, it meant he gave up his right to do what looked right to him because he was ruled by God. And that's the same challenge that each and every one of us, we are given if we desire to be ruled by God. Sometimes being ruled by God means that we do what looks wrong to us because it's what's right with God. Wouldn't it look like the right thing if someone hurt you? Did you just harbor that pain? Did you just hold on to that unforgiveness? Did you just remember and never forget about it? Wouldn't it be the right thing for you to just hold on to that hurt? And the wrong thing would be just to pull an Elton, let it go. But because we are made right with God and we are ruled by him, we extend forgiveness. We extend reconciliation. Wouldn't it be the right thing to just cheat people who cheated us, to just disregard people who disregarded us? Wouldn't it be the right thing to do that? And the wrong thing would be just to give another second chance, to offer grace, but we do what looks wrong to us because it's what's right with God. And we're ruled by him and say, God, I'm gonna offer grace. I'm gonna offer a second chance because you gave me a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. You guys know who you are and a 17th million chance, that's me. It looked like it was the wrong thing for Jesus to deny food. It looked like it was the wrong thing for Jesus to deny power, but he was willing to do what looked wrong to him because it was right with God. He denied ruling everything in order to be ruled by God. He denied being ruled by the wrong thing. And receiving the wrong thing right now says, I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to receive the right thing later so long as it means me being ruled by the right one. Doesn't it seem like every time you got to do the next right thing, it's always at the wrong time. I'm hungry. You're tempting me with bread. You're telling me to deny bread. I'm powerless. I'm lost in the unknown. And, and you're tempting me with more power. For us, we've got to be willing to resolve in our heart to do the next right thing, regardless if it's the right time or the wrong time for us. Regardless if everybody is looking or nobody else is watching, live with integrity. We do the next right thing, regardless if it benefits our company or it doesn't benefit our company. Regardless if we're the most popular person for doing that thing or we're the most hated person for doing that thing, we have to resolve in our hearts to do the right thing in advance before temptation comes. Because temptation is going to come. It came to Jesus. It's going to come to us. You don't think he already knew that he needed to be filled with the right thing before he got hungry? You don't think that he already knew that he had to be ruled by God before he got tempted to receive the wrong thing right away? Let's make a decision right now in our hearts this weekend. I'm willing to do the right thing for my marriage. I want to do the next right thing for my parenting right now. I want to do the next right thing for my business. I want to do the next right thing in my friendship. I want to do the next right thing before I go out with them, before I do that thing. I, I want to do the next right thing. When you get tempted, hey, you got to cheat in order for you to get that way. Can I just tell you, it's the wrong way. It's not from the right ruler. When you get tempted, you got to cut corners in order for you to get that thing. It's not the right thing. 
is from the wrong ruler. Every corner that you cut, those edges get sharper and sharper, and it's pointed at you. If you got to cheat in order for you to get what you want, it's not worth it. It's from the wrong ruler. We have to be willing to do the right thing no matter what, and we leave the rest to the one that rules over us. You see, that wasn't the end of the story because sometimes we get so lost in the wilderness, so stuck in the unknown that we're willing to do whatever it takes to just get out of it. If you continue to read that story, it was only the starting point of Jesus' ministry. The wilderness that could have easily felt like this is the most crushing moment in my life God used to catapult him to, to save the entire world. Maybe the thing that, that you're stuck in right now, your pain that you're stuck in right now, it's just preparation. Your story is not going to end with you being lost. Especially if you have faith in Jesus, you've already been more found than you already are right now. Maybe you're here today and this weekend you're saying, I don't know the right thing to do, Jay. What am I to do right now? What's the next right thing for me to do? You and I, we cannot do any right thing apart from us being made right with God. And if today you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's your next right thing. And saying, God, I want you to be my ruler. I place my faith in you. I'm listening to your voice. I'm, I'm, I'm moving away from that voice that leads me astray from you. And God, I, I want to follow you. And I want to be filled by you. If that's you today, we just want to say welcome home. Look, regardless of what campus you're in right now, would you text the word Jesus to 41411. If you're watching online, put it in the comments or you're watching on one of our locations. I want you to put the word Jesus in the text to 41411, and we want to make sure we give you the next right steps in your new journey with Jesus. If today you've already made a decision to follow Jesus and you're wondering, man, what's the right thing for me to do? Can I just ask you, what food has been filling you right now? Because whatever fills you will spill out of you. Maybe you're, you're saying, you know, if I got Jesus plus the raise, I wouldn't be so hungry. Can I just give you a quick math equation this weekend? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you've got Jesus, you've got everything that you could possibly need to be filled and fulfilled. And this weekend, maybe that's where, where you're at. You need to open up your heart. You need to open up that mindset. You need to open up that hurt. You need to open up that place where you're thinking, I just need some food in order for me to survive here. If you've got Jesus and you're in the unknown, you've got everything you need to survive. And he wants to fill you this weekend. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that even in places where we're in the unknown, in places where we've never been before and we're stuck, the one thing that we can know is that we are not forsaken, you have not abandoned us, and that you are with us and that you are for us. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you would fill every heart that is, is broken and hurting and empty. I pray that you would fill every faith tank that's running on empty this weekend, every mindset that needs the shifting, every, every uh, spirit that needs a lifting. Father, would you fill them? Only you, Jesus, can fill us in a way. God, everything else can fade away. And, and if we have you, we got everything. And only you can fill us. So, Father, fill us this weekend. We love you so much and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.